This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. All right, welcome back to another episode of Breaking Pod. Today, we are doing Season 3, Episode 7, Josh. Last episode, you admitted to falling asleep while watching it. Did you fall asleep in one minute, the one we're talking about today? Absolutely not. This one, I think this one is is a lot of fun. Although, I will say, I was looking at my nitpicks, which I don't share with you ahead of time because I like to to leave the suspense. I do appreciate that. We share all the other things. But I did have more nitpicks from this episode than I did from from other episodes. So while a good episode, I think a flawed episode as well. We'll we'll talk through some of that. Sounds good. Well, you've got uh, you've got me uh, sufficiently intrigued. I want to hear your nits. Maybe give me a teaser for one of those nits since you had several. Okay, let me let me find a good one uh, here real quick. Okay, so there's a big moment in the episode where Hank is relieved of his duties, and he goes to the elevator. He gets into the elevator and Marie is there waiting for him. Now he's he's totally stone-faced when he gets in the elevator. They press the down button. We cut to a quick scene in the elevator. Hank is weeping on Marie's shoulder, absolutely broken down. Two seconds later, they're on floor number one and he is back to being stone-faced standing next to Marie. There is absolutely no way there is enough time for him to break down and recover from like the third or fourth or fifth floor that they were on. Unless that elevator is slow as can be so that was gonna be my counterpoint i have worked in federal government buildings before they are not known for successful uh well-performing elevators i'll just say that yeah we're not in a skyscraper (laughs) elevator here but i think even still i mean like the 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 range of emotions in what i can only imagine is 20 seconds 30 seconds tops was a little silly no you're absolutely right i did not have that listed as a nit but when i was watching it it was it seemed a little bit uh What's the word? An uh, asynchronous. Uh, oh, it yeah. just it just yeah. didn't quite line up. I appreciated the emotion they were sharing, but but it did definitely stood out to me. Well, uh, this is a very exciting episode. It has a climactic scene at the end that is uh, just remarkable. We'll talk about that. But hence the episode title. Exactly. But before we do all that, let's talk about the Wikipedia summary. I'll read My this favorite. and then we'll we'll give it the letter grade. All right, here it is. After being tricked, Hank confronts Jesse in his home and attacks him. Jesse later claims that he will make Hank's life miserable and threatens to hand in Walt to the DEA if he or Saul intervene. Skyler pressures Walt to make a deal. He forces a disagreement with Gail and later offers Jesse partnership again. Despite saying that he has lost everything since he, quote, hooked up with the great Heisenberg, Jesse ultimately agrees. Hank tearfully reflects with Marie on how his professionalism has worn out since he killed Tuco and the DEA confiscates Hank's gun due to his attack on Jesse. Later, the unarmed Hank receives an anonymous call telling him he has one minute before someone comes to attack him. Tuco's two cousins arrive and shoot Hank several times. An injured Hank manages to wound one of the cousins and kill the other. All right, what letter grade do you give this summary, Josh? Uh, You know, it's not terrible. Uh, There is some some, uh, weird writing issues here. Definitely some semantics. Yeah, but I think overall it captures most of the things that happen. I think one of the big things that it does leave out, though, is that the reason that Hank is even out and about at the end for him to be attacked is that Jesse is going to ultimately drop the charges on Hank, and he's actually feeling kind of upbeat. And so he has flowers for Marie, and he's he's 
basically leaving like what appears to be a grocery store or so, some sort of store like that. Remember when we could do that? That those were those were fun times. Yeah, I do remember <laughs> grocery stores, man. And and so I think that that's an important plot point that it leaves out that and, I, and maybe it's not super important for an overall summary, but yeah, I don't know. This one I'd give a C plus. How about you? Yeah, I think C plus is about right. I mean, uh, I, I was reading as I was reading it, I was confused because I read the sentence. Uh, Skyler pressures Walt to make a deal. He forces a disagreement with Gale and later off. I was like, wait, Skyler's a boy now? What? But no, yeah. they're, they're trying to talk about Walt. But we have a lot of, of rapid subject changes between sentences here. Very confusing. Not easy to follow. It would, be, uh, it would be very misleading if you had not seen the episode. Having seen the episode, I think it makes more sense. But yeah. I, I'll, give it a, uh, I'll give it a C instead of okay. a C plus. I'm not quite Fair as enough. generous as you on this. Fair enough. But, but I think it does capture all the, all the highlights. Uh, it is a remarkable remarkable episode that moves pretty darn quickly there's a lot of violence that happens in this episode uh there's some good dialogue and we'll talk about all that so first of all josh before we go into our selections for best scenes writing moment etc any broader thoughts and themes you wanted to bring up for this discussion well the one thing that i did want to say about this episode in particular is that you know a lot of times we talk through these episodes and and they, we've we've talked about how they're slow moving or, or or what that might be the case but in this one what I usually do is I watch the episode, I take some quick notes while I'm watching the first time. Then when I go back to sort of pull the the scenes, the writing and the moments for you, I try to scroll back through on my computer and swipe through to find the timestamps. And when I was scrolling back through this one, there's a lot of different stuff that happens in this episode. And I think that that says something about where we're going in this season is basically, it's sort of, it's sort of, you know, evidence that this this season is now starting to heat up. So it's not necessarily something specific that happens in the episode, although there are major things that do happen that propel the plot forward. But just the rapid pace of the episode, I think, sort of is in line with where we are. We're about halfway through the season, and we're moving towards like more and more climactic scenes. Although when we get to season three, episode 10, Fly, we're really going to slow down for an episode, but we'll get there in a couple episodes. And but, that, I but, love Fly, by the way. We'll, we'll talk about all that in several weeks, but go on. Yeah, yeah, but I think that that's sort of my takeaway from this episode. I don't know if you had anything else. No, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, the takeaway for me on all this sort of frenetic activity going on is that Walt's actions are really catching up to him. So they're affecting his immediate family. They're affecting his extended family. They're affecting uh, the employment of his extended family, the safety of his extended family. Uh, all of these, you know, even his employment, right? There are some employment troubles with Gus Fring in this episode. Um, and uh, those will become even more pronounced in the next episode, I think. Uh, so yeah, you're totally right. But let's go with best scene. Um, you have a good candidate for this one that I really liked. So what is your best scene? So we see Walt interact with Jesse twice in the hospital. You'll, you'll remember at the, the beginning of this episode, uh, Jesse is beaten to a pulp by, by Hank. And it's unwarranted. I mean, Hank has reasons, but he, he just basically kicks his butt. And the second time that Walt comes to visit Jesse, he's trying to propose that if you basically, if you, if you, choose to drop the charges on Hank, I will let you be my partner again. And basically, Jesse unloads on him. So we're going to hear a little bit of that conversation here, but I just find it fascinating. Let me understand this. You're turning down one and a half million dollars. I am not turning down the money. I am turning down you. You get it? 
So he then goes on to basically talk about how toxic Walt has been in his life. And the reason that I like this as a scene is it's, again, one of those dynamics between Jesse and Walt where we see the dynamic shift back in Jesse's favor. And he really does have a point here. Like everything that has happened to him that has been supremely negative, like he's gone heavy down in drug use. He's he's seen his girlfriend basically die based on Walt's actions. Now, he doesn't know that yet that Walt was involved in that. But, you know, all of this stuff has happened since Walt came back into his life. And there's an absolutely fascinating scene in the next episode that I I can't wait to talk about that, uh, that I'll save till then. But it's, it's almost in complete juxtaposition to this one. And the reason I like this so much is because of that dramatic tension shifting back towards Jesse. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and it just makes me think about, you know, what you're saying about all the frenetic activity and how we were saying that reflects Walt's uh, choices having real consequences. Now his business partner, who he previously could rely on to just boss around and tell what to do, is saying, no, I'm not. I I don't even care about a million and a half dollars. I don't want to work with you. You got that? I'm done. Right. Uh, and, And I like Jesse's resolve here as well. I think it's a strong moment for him as an actor. And I like, too, that the scene takes place in a static location like jesse is confined to a hospital bed but that doesn't take away from the intensity of the scene and i just think that aaron paul delivers a really great moment here and i think too like walt almost thinks he's going to get away with it like a million and a half dollars like that's what you're going to get like he thinks that it's so cut and dry black and white but really jesse is beyond that it seems i mean he will then call him back later in the episode and say, okay, I'm in. But in that moment, he has a resolve that is just really nice to see from, from a character who's usually being stepped on. Yeah, completely agree. I will also add uh, kudos to the makeup artist because Jesse's yeah. face having been beaten up by Hank earlier in the episode looks very real and very, very full. Yeah. Uh, you know, one eye completely swollen shut. I mean, it looks, it, it almost hurts to look at him. They did a very good job. Yeah. Agreed. What was your best scene in this, in this episode? Yeah, so my best scene is after uh, Jesse gets beaten up uh, and Walt has a conversation with him, and then he goes back to work with Gail. And I think Walt is actually kind of genuinely conflicted here. I think he feels somewhat responsible, perhaps, for uh, Jesse getting uh, picked on by Hank. And Gail is not Jesse. I mean, Gail's a very competent chemist. We, we talked about that last episode, a very remarkable guy from an intellectual perspective. But he's not Jesse. And he's not Jesse in the sense that he's not simply a pawn for Walt. I think he's not Jesse in the sense that he doesn't have the same kind of son-like relationship with, uh, with Walt. Maybe like, you know, eccentric nephew relationship, but not a, uh, not a father-son relationship. And so Walt has this interesting um, kind of outburst where he criticizes Gail and says that he's doing a bad job and criticizes him for not hearing him correctly uh, and then says he made 50 gallons of useless sludge because he measured something out wrong. This is chemistry. Degrees matter. Sorry. I'm very sorry. Great. You're sorry. Meanwhile, you've just brewed 50 gallons of useless sludge. Congratulations. Just dump it. Dump it all. It's it's really funny also uh, hearing Gail Bedecker, uh, the the actor, uh, I'm forgetting the name right now. I'll look it up. But he plays uh, Daniel Hardman in Suits, if you've seen Suits before. Oh, okay. And uh, Daniel Hardman in Suits is a very high-powered attorney also kind of a jerk, but super high-powered. And, and here, Gail Bedecker is a mild-mannered chemist who can barely stand up to uh, Walt when he does something 
uh, you know, unseemly. So it, it's pretty funny. But I like this scene a lot. Walt is obviously lashing out at Gale. He's frustrated, I think, by the Jesse situation. He feels responsible and he's lashing out at Gale. Um, he's also, you know, maybe thinking a little bit ahead, right? I think we'll see this as the show develops. But I think um, I think he'll he's I think he's setting the stage to get rid of Gale eventually because he wants to have Jesse working at his side later. And he probably has some ulterior motives for that, but I think it's not entirely not compassionate. No, I think it's one of those things where Walt is starting to realize that sometimes oil and water like he and Jesse go better together because they don't always see eye to eye and they can sort of offer perspective uh, where Gail seems to always agree. So, for example, reading the scene, Walt says, you set the temperature wrong. And likely what happened is Walt was distracted, told him the wrong temperature. Gail wrote it down exactly as he said and was wrong. So basically, I think Walt is also here annoyed already at the fact that Gail is really just like following exactly what he's saying. And, you know, that does get annoying after a while. If if you have someone who literally will only do something because they're following you and they don't have any independent thought, I'm thinking of like bosses and employees where you literally have to tell them exactly what to do. That gets so frustrating after a while. Sometimes you want someone to have some thought that's different than your own. And I think Walt's already starting to realize that in his short time with Gail. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of initiative, but it's all just simply, you know, kind of puppy dog style initiative. Like, did, right. did I do this well enough? Did, did this make you happy? You know, right. And, or, or I already did that exactly as like, I'm, I'm trying to impress you like, okay, that's not, that's not anything new. It's just sort of doing what's expected. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so let's go on to best writing now. Um, we both had some monologues chosen and we chose different monologues for this. Uh, my best writing for this episode is when Jesse's lying in his bed and he's uh, angry at Hank, obviously for beating him up, understandably so. And, uh, Walt is asking him what happens now. Walt, of course, is afraid that he will press charges against Hank because he has every right to do so. And uh, he would be, uh, he probably, you know, if he decided to have a lawsuit, he probably would have a winning case because he got assaulted in broad daylight in his own domicile, as they, as Jesse would say. (laughs) Um, So anyway, Walt says, what happens now? And I won't play the whole uh, monologue because we just don't have time to do that. But uh, we see kind of a dark side of Jesse here come out, which is um, which is why I chose this as a uh, piece of the best writing, because I think we're seeing this this conversion from Jesse ever since Jane's death. He's been on this sort of descent into darkness, right? When he recognizes he's the bad guy, he's now, um, you know, saying things in his recovery meetings that just suggest like he's kind of lost, lost, a, lost his grip on life. He is uh, content with being the bad guy. And this conversation uh, only confirms that. You understand? I will own him when this is over. Every cent he earns, every cent his wife earns, is mine. And he, he goes on, as you remember, Josh, and like, you know, when he wakes up in the morning, I'll be there. When he goes to sleep at night, <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be haunting his dreams. I mean, that kind of stuff. It's like, it's pretty dark. It's not just, it's not just as simple as like, I'm going to sue him for every penny he's worth. He's just like, this is clearly about revenge, not just about, um, you know, recompense. Yeah, even more so, he says, I'll be there until he puts a gun in his mouth and kills himself. I mean, that, oh, yeah. that's, as, <laughs> that's as dark as it gets right yeah. there. 
yeah, mean, there's exactly. there's no getting around that. Yeah, I think that this was almost my my pick for for best scene. But then when we got to the other scene where Jesse sort of unloads on him, I, I thought that was better for best scene. But I, I totally agree with you. We we don't often see this truly dark side of Jesse. Like clearly he has flaws and he's he has some you know things that he needs to work on. He's a a drug dealer and a drug manufacturer, you know, as it stands. But like we haven't really seen this like totally evil side of him yet. And, you know, the saddest thing about it is you can sort of see where he's coming from a little bit. Like he was assaulted in his own house, you know, and and just because he does wrong doesn't mean that someone else can't be wrong, too, in their actions. Yeah, I think that, that's absolutely right. What is your nomination for best writing? So my nomination is the scene between Hank and Marie. And let's hear a little bit of this. And then I want to explain why I, I find it so heartbreaking. Everything that's happened, I... I swear to God, Marie, I think the universe is trying to tell me something. And I'm finally ready to listen. I'm just not the man I thought I was. So this this monologue that he gives to Marie, you know, before he goes and basically admits to assaulting Jesse and will ultimately lead to the removal of his badge and his gun. I find this so difficult as an audience because Hank certainly has problems like he should not have gone and beaten Jesse up like there's that's pretty morally incorrect. That's wrong. But you know, everybody in the world is flawed. Everybody makes mistakes. And his mistake, while brutal, was not life-ending. It didn't, you know, affect anybody but Jesse. And the fact that he views himself as, like, the most evil person, I mean, the way that he's sort of hunched over and and sort of, you know, speaking softly, I mean, this is not the Hank that we met at the beginning of the series. It's just so sad because you contrast that with Walt, who has done much worse things and who's still holding his head high. And so I like this as writing because I think it's important to see that even the good characters aren't always good, but that they also, you know, I think this just speaks to the fact that Hank has more of a a conscience than than Walt does. Yeah, that last part that you just added is what I was going to say that uh, you know, th- this in addition to being hard to watch because this is the strong kind of purely not quite purely, but strong, generally virtuous character being reduced to, you know, a a, a blubbering uh, hunched shoulders kind of guy. Uh, the additional thing is that we're recognizing that he has genuine contrition for what he's done. So Walt goes and does these terrible things, including things that lead to, lead directly to people's deaths. Crazy eight, Jane, et cetera. Uh, any everybody on the plane narco- yeah exactly yeah really good point everyone on the plane uh and yet like you said he still walks around undefeated right and yeah. uh keeps his head high chest out shoulders back uh yeah. hank on the other hand right he beats up one guy he uh he then says i'm not the man i thought i was and is very contrite um and I might be skipping ahead. I think it's a. I think it's in this. It's in this episode though. At the end, right? No, it is. It is. Yeah, because he gives a statement about what happened, mm-hmm. and he tells the truth, and he basically says, like, no, I went and sought him out and beat him up in his house. And they're yep. like, are you sure you want to say this? He's like, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. 
And and so he re, he regains his virtue just by doing that, I think. And he actually walks out of that with his head held high, um, finds out Jesse won't press charges, et cetera, goes to the grocery store to buy flowers, gets uh, almost murdered brutally by the Mexican cartel. So um, there is a sort of redemption of Hank in this episode, but the redemption has to be uh, preceded by genuine contrition, something that that Walt seems to be totally incapable of. And something we don't see often in the show. So I think it's important to showcase that there are characters who can feel like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Josh, I think it's time to talk about our best uh, moment. We both had the same one. So uh, I think probably our, our listeners would agree that this is at least the uh, moment most vividly imprinted in our brains after watching this episode. And that is the shootout where the two cousins try to kill Hank in the parking lot. Pretty brutal scene. He, of course, doesn't have his gun because he's had to surrender his gun and badge while he's under investigation for the uh, beating up of Jesse. And so he has to uh, fight these guys off without a gun. He uses his car as a weapon, backing into one of them and pinning him between two cars. Um, and then he, uh, he basically ends up being able to use that guy's gun, which fell into his car, uh, to shoot the other cousin. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty devastating, but what would you say about this moment, Josh, since you also selected it as your best moment? Well, it's certainly like the most exciting moment in the episode. I, I think that while I like this as a moment, uh, it's certainly going to be important in terms of, you know, character development for, for Walt and Hank and, and really everybody moving forward, which is another reason why I chose it as my best moment. I did have the most nits to pick with this moment. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's taking place in such a public place. I, d I don't understand why the cousins have chosen to attack Hank in, in a parking lot. I mean, you'll recall that in a previous episode, they were going to murder Walt in his home. Very quiet moment, just that, that would leave little evidence. And it seems like everything they've done so far has been sort of on the, on the down low. Until we get to this moment, they come into a very crowded parking lot. They end up killing uh, someone else, just a bystander at one point. And it just seems like if they expect to get out of there alive, and maybe they're planning to leave and go back to Mexico and not have to worry about it, but it seems like they've chosen a poor location. So I partially agree with you. I also had a nit to pick about this uh, scene, um, and that's mostly just about how like you don't hear anything else except for the gunshots and these guys going back and forth. And uh, you don't, you don't, you see some people in the background at the very beginning, and then it's just an empty parking lot yeah. with with cars, right? It's just it's strange. It doesn't quite make sense given how busy this place is. Couldn't be on your point, people. Yeah, right. On your point about these guys, though, I I think that they see this potentially as a suicide mission. I don't think they particularly care about surviving it. Uh, they also do have a flair for the dramatic, as does the cartel writ large. I mean, recall, you know, they're on that, uh, they're on that truck when they're smuggling, you know, they're, they're riding across the border and they kill right. everyone on the truck and burn it up. Right. So yeah, they definitely have a flair for, uh, for drama. I mean, you said they were going to kill Walt quietly in his house. That's I guess true, but they were going to cut off his head with an ax, which is not quite the same thing as like, true. you know, just quietly, you know, killing Slipping him, him a, some poison. Yeah, exactly. There are there are less dramatic ways to kill someone than uh, with an axe. Yeah. So they definitely have a flair for drama. I do, however, agree. There's probably a more tactically advantageous way to both, uh, you know, assure your mission of success and also be dramatic. Uh, and I don't think like attacking him while he's in the car in the parking lot is the best way to do that. Right. That 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 leads me to my other question, which is and maybe there is an answer to this, but Hank 
you know, famously gets a call, an anonymous call, you know, the voice is is muffled, but they say you have one minute and then you're going to be attacked. Hank is in his car, keys in the ignition, and he doesn't do anything. Now, maybe that is because he is paralyzed with fear, because we know that he's had this PTSD from the Tuco incident, from the Tortuga incident in El Paso. So I can see why that might be the case. But you would think that he even backed into the spot. He could clearly just peel out. You know, he's he's it's as if he's waiting for his fate. And maybe that could be something else too that that Hank feels like he needs to face this. Uh, I I don't know what the answer is there, but I did find it a little strange. He gets the call, he has a minute and he doesn't move. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I I'm trying to think like what would I do if I got that kind of call, right? Uh I don't know if I would move either. I think I might do what he did, which is that, you know, look around, like try to Try to ascertain what's going on. Try to assess your surroundings. Look for possible escape routes, etc. Yeah. But but I mean, I might at least like back out my car just so I can <laughs> have like a few more escape routes. Right. Uh, because when you're pulled into a parking spot, uh, you you don't have a great way of getting out of that situation. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I just think that the the moment overall is certainly the the one that stands out the most in this episode. Yeah. Completely agree. Uh, and I don't have anything substantive to add to that. Um, except for my nit to pick, and we can just use this to transition into our nits if you still have a few more. I do. Yeah. Um, so in addition to the the public forum not exactly uh, resonating with me uh, in terms of re- reflecting reality, uh, there's also that scene where he's laying on the ground, um, very bloody, can barely move his, I think it's his right arm. Yeah, that's um, right. And uh, his right arm is just covered in blood, so very slippery. And there's the um, there's one hollow point bullet on the ground that fell out of one of the cousin's pockets. And, and there's a scene earlier that you know, kind of gives the backstory for that. But the point is, there's a hollow point bullet. Right. And um, he's trying to get it into the gun so that he can have one bullet to shoot the other cousin with him when he comes back. And uh, it's not easy to do that. I mean, it like it requires some strength, right, to like chamber around in one of those pistols. I've done it. Um, and I cannot imagine doing it when you could barely move one arm. Uh, and I could certainly not imagine doing it when you could barely move one arm and you could not even pick up the bullet to get it in the gun. And, and we see him like trying to do this and he's not even remotely close to being able to pick up the bullet, let alone chamber around. Uh, and then like in the, in the 10 to 15 seconds where we cut away from him, he somehow done it and got it in the gun, uh, so that he can shoot the cousin when he comes back. I'm not I'm not buying that it that it happened in that span of time. So it's kind of similar to your elevator knit to pick. Like there's not enough time for what elapsed in the time we were not looking at Hank for it to have happened. But I guess Hank is just I don't know, he's time traveling in here. He's in this episode he's gained some ability to slow down time because he somehow figured it out. Yeah, I think that your 10 to 15 seconds is generous. I think it might even be less time than that. Yeah, it's, probably. That might actually. be like 5 seconds actually. Yeah. But the only the only thing I could point to is that he has the like a serious fight or flight reflex. I mean, that's the only ad- adrenaline something. That's the only explanation for the fact that he's able to do it at all. Now, the timing that does isn't helped by an adrenaline rush, but I, I totally take your point. I think that the the other nit to pick with this scene is, and and I I know there's an explanation because these guys are very dramatic, but basically the one surviving cousin who is standing over him with a gun, ready to shoot him, says, no, it's too easy, walks away, gets the axe, comes the drama, back. drama, man. 
drama. Right. I, yeah, I know they're <laughs> dramatic, but like you would think he'd want to finish the job. And I, it's just such a such a an annoying thing in almost every you know action movie where a bad guy's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know like wax poetic here before I off you and then they always are off first <laughs> always you know yeah. and this is the same thing he's like i'm gonna go get the axe and i'm gonna chop your head off and it's gonna be so fun but yeah he waited too long did you like that shot though as he's walking back to hank on the ground dragging yeah. the axe yeah, head on the on the uh asphalt i mean the, the filmmaking is great <laughs> and you see the uh the skull tipped boots yeah walking the ground yeah it's pretty yeah pretty it's great my only other nit to pick in this episode is this whole idea that jesse is physically assaulted like and does he have to press charges for there to be like a police investigation it just seems very strange to me because they're like well he might press charges i mean clearly a crime has been committed like if if someone gets murdered you don't have to wait for the family to be like uh we'd like to press charges on someone because uh, our family member has been murdered like doesn't there just isn't there just some sort of an investigation into like the crime that happened? Like, it seems as if Hank is going to, if Jesse doesn't press charges, he's just going to get off scot-free. I, I don't really understand that. I don't, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know these yeah, things. Yeah, I was going to say, we need a criminal lawyer to come in here and talk to us about that. I don't, I actually don't think there is. I mean, there could be an internal investigation, right? Which is not the same thing as a criminal investigation. Right. So I think the DEA would still probably want to like investigate that and give some ad- administrative discipline of some sort. Maybe you know, leading up to removal. But as far as investigating the crime, I think, I think you'd have to have someone press charges. The exceptions would be like you said, murder, right? The person who's murdered can't press charges. So the state essentially prosecutes the case for them. Uh, and what then if someone, what if someone got shot, but didn't die? Would they have to press charges for, for someone to, to get in trouble for that? I mean, I feel like, I think so. I think so. That's unless, crazy. unless, um, they're a, uh, they're a minor. Right. Like if there's okay. a, if they're a minor, then the state, you know, acts, you know, in their place to defend right. them. Right. So. OK. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't think so. I mean, interesting. I think this is this is one of the reasons why we're definitely getting off on attention here. But like, you know, domestic abuse victims who refuse yeah. to press charges against their spouse for abusing them. Like that's the problem is that kind of ties the hands of law enforcement because they can't do anything if the person doesn't press charges. So. Right. Okay, that's that's, that's my sense. my layman's understanding. I, I could definitely be wrong, and would love to hear from a listener. Uh, and speaking of that, our email breakingpod at vernacularpodcast.com. You can let us know what we miss in this episode. Before we go, though, we do have to do the MVP vote. So, Josh, I'll ask you who your MVP in this episode is. My MVP is Jesse Pinkman, Aaron Paul. I think that he has two big scenes, and they are the most impactful for me as a viewer you know the one where we see a darker side of him and then the one where we see him totally break down you know with regards to working with walt so the that those two scenes alone give give jesse the mvp for me great choice uh it was definitely down to him or hank in this one um and i chose hank i think hank i mean obviously he stars in that uh that scene with the uh mexican cousins trying to shoot him he survives the assassination attempt, so that alone gets him like 10 points towards MVP. Just if, if you survive the cartel assassinating you with two uh, elite hitmen, you know, you're, you're going up on the MVP count. But uh, on a more serious note, I mean, we see this like remarkable transformation. We already talked about it, you know, how he's very contrite for his actions. He does the right thing. And then uh, he almost gets killed in the end. So it turns out, you know, bad things do happen to good people. Um, we see him almost get killed. We see Walt just climbing the ladder of success, making his millions and uh, getting off scot-free it seems you know maybe uh his just desserts will come later in the show but they haven't for now and so 
we see Hank turn in this masterful performance and uh, almost get murdered. And it's a pretty exciting thing. He's really the one who I think carries the plot of this episode forward. And uh, for that reason, he is my MVP. All right, so uh, one for Jesse, one for Hank. That is Hank's only only his third MVP vote in the whole series so far. Wow. Uh, Jesse, however, now is tied with Walt at a dozen points for the lead. So that's it for today's episode of Breaking Pod. Like I said, if we missed anything, if you want to know what we missed, if we got our criminal law interpretation completely wrong, let us know. Breaking Pod at vernaculapodcast.com. We'll be back next Thursday with I See You Season 3, Episode 8. Until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Josh. Have a great week.